Welcome to Soul Forum. We're delighted to have you as we attempt to kind of democratize the experience of soul. Each conversation in this second season takes you deeper into the experience of your own body, the collective body, earth body, and even the cosmic body as we explore the way soul finds expression in our time. We hope what you discover along the way helps you journey a little deeper into your own soul body. Welcome. In this episode, April sits down with Nina to explore her journey a little deeper. As a first-generation Indian American who holds a science doctorate, Nina brings a unique perspective to her expression as a college educator, a yoga instructor, and a healing arts practitioner. Listen as we learn how she's journeyed to hear the distinct voices of her own body and soul. All right, Nina. So I'm excited to have you here today to talk about the soul body. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So I really enjoyed um, hearing about the conversation that you had with Dan, you know, in regard to your journey with your soul body. And, um, you know, I know you've done a lot of work around, you know, healing trauma, past traumas in the body. And I know you've also done a lot of inner child work. What I was thinking about asking you about was like how you connect with your body, mm-hmm. how you listen to your body, mm-hmm. the first time that that like that happened for you. How does your body talk to you mm-hmm. somatically, intuitively, and then finishing it up with like how you connect with the earth body. Mm-hmm. So like putting your being in nature and then like, you know, melding with the mama. The first thing that comes to mind in that healing journey of my body um, and sort of how that process has been for me was honestly just a naming aspect at first. So something I didn't realize that I was doing for the longest time was I would refer to my body in like third person. Mm. Um, so I would say the arm or the head or this this arm or this head. And so when I was seeing a somatic therapist, uh, he is the one that actually noticed that I would refer to my body in third person. So that was actually a really important aspect before even doing the other things like connecting to my body and listening to my body is I had to first identify my body as my own. Wow. Um, so it was the the language that I used around mm-hmm. my body that really set that journey mm-hmm. forward. Mm-hmm. Um, so just learning how to identify my hands as my hands or my nose as my nose, my legs as uh, my legs. And really changing that because it was so ingrained to me to be so removed from my body, um, you know, as a response of um, not really feeling safe in my body. And so that was really the first uh, important part of the healing journey. And once I got to that space where I could see my body as my own, and there are beautiful ways to practice this. Um, For example, just doing a regular body scan meditation Mm -hmm. where you start at the crown of your head, 
you move down your body very slowly from the crown of the head all the way to your toes. And, you know, this is done in yoga classes and, and other sorts of classes, meditation circles out there. But a really cool um, way to enhance this practice is as you do the body scan, you name what is yours. Mm -hmm. So this is the crown of my head. These are my eyebrows. These are my eyes. And so that's really a beautiful way uh, that I learned how to mm -hmm. incorporate that language into even a meditation mm -hmm. practice. So that was that definitely came before learning how to truly connect to my body. Because in the beginning, I had nothing to connect to. Yeah, I had to form that connection in the beginning. So I've never had like, I don't know, I've always been like really grounded in my body. And then I learned, I don't know, like five or six years ago that like, that this is something that happens with people, right? And I was like, oh, wow, that's a trip. Like I had no idea. So then when did it happen for you or how did it happen for you when you connected you to your body? Like what was the difference when you noticed from, you know, oh, I'm talking about that you know, that thing over there to it being you? Yeah, that's a great question. So I could actually feel. Mm -hmm. Oh, It's very simple. It really goes down to you can actually feel and embody mm -hmm. uh, sensations within. Do you remember the first time it happened? Like the inkling? You were like, oh. I think that has been in the background for a while I just didn't know. Mm -hmm. So it was like a yeah. gradual. It was a gradual realization. I just didn't know what language to use to describe Got it. it. And yeah. I didn't know how to name it. But now after delving deep into somatic practices and, and you know being deeper on my healing journey, now I actually have the language to use to describe mm -hmm. what I was experiencing before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then just real quick for anybody that doesn't know, how do you describe, how would you define somatic therapy? It's, it's different from talk therapy. So I think talk therapy is what we generalize, a lot of us generalize therapy as, yeah. which really involves the mind. Yeah. Um, and you know, you do CBT or DBT or other sorts of common techniques that therapists um, engage in. And uh, which I also do. So I did, you know, I also do that. And I did, I've done that probably way more than I've done somatic therapy. But one thing that I noticed um, was that talking about trauma and talking about things, you know, anything that we are dealing with as just being a human, um, they really, it really can go as far as the mind can go, but it doesn't really tap into the body. Mm -hmm. So when you're in talk therapy, you're not really tapping into the body. So somatic therapy is actually not, um, a session is not really done the same way. So mm -hmm. it really is very focused on the body. For example, every session that I would enter into, my therapist would ask me, um, what are you feeling right now in your body? Mm -hmm. Versus like, how was your day? You know, my talk therapist would be like, how was your day? Tell me what happened. Um, but then my somatic therapist would really just focus on, you know, how are you feeling right now? Where are you feeling it? Can you describe what sensations you are experiencing? And then depending on, you know, what is coming up, we'd then do a little bit of talk mm -hmm. to kind of process what has come up. And then we'd go back into, okay, now how do you feel in your body? And then how do you go about discerning between like a physical sensation, ouch, I stubbed my toe and ouch, I have pain in my body because this emotion is lodged 
in whatever space? That is a really good question. Um, and I think a lot of that will just be contextual. So for example, you know, if I was sitting really uncomfortably during my yeah. somatic therapy session, mm-hmm. um, you know, we wouldn't really read into that. We wouldn't really make a lot of meaning out of that. Um, but what's really interesting is if you just kind of think about the way that we all handle stress and tension in general, just as the human experience, mm-hmm. um, we all tend to accumulate stress and tension in the same areas for ourselves. For example, like for me, I always hold stress in my uh, neck, my shoulders, and my jaw. And I know a lot of people share that as well. Some people hold stress in their stomach. Mm-hmm, Some people right. hold stress in their hands. Mm-hmm. Or um, their lower back. Or lower back. Mm-hmm. Or, or um, you know, they really hold it in their, they kind of scrunch their legs. They kind of hold mm-hmm. it in their legs. And so it's really similar to that in that by getting to know yourself and really noticing even just starting off with stress, just starting off with when I'm stressed, what is happening in my body, mm-hmm. right? That kind of does give you a little bit of a baseline of mm-hmm. where things may be held mm-hmm. um, in the body. And then as you really deepen the inquiry within mm-hmm. and really looking at, uh, you know, beyond just the stress points, right? Then you'll 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 almost notice um you know, when you're feeling certain core emotions, right? Like when you're feeling happiness, when you're feeling fear or sadness, then you can kind of, you know, look within when you're feeling that and say, okay, when I'm feeling happy, what is happening in my body, right? So that's one set point that Mm -hmm. you have. Mm -hmm. When I'm feeling fearful or scared, what's Mm -hmm. happening in my body, right? That's a set point. When I'm feeling sad uh, and so forth. And so, you know, that's, that's a way that, you know, we don't even need a somatic therapist to necessarily do that type of practice, right? Just simply when we're in those core emotions that we feel, um, you know, we can look within and be like, okay, what is happening? And then you get to know yourself more and more. And then when you do, let's say you do decide to deepen your um, healing somatically and you do see a somatic therapist, you just expand from there. So then for you, did you... Were you able to discern, you know, the feeling in your body of being happy or sad or fearful or anxiety before you did the somatic therapy? No. Interesting. So then when you were like referring to your body parts in the third person, you also didn't have like, oh, I feel scared or oh, I feel... Not at all. Interesting. So that's been a big part of the journey for me is not only just connecting to my body in the first place as a part of who I am, but being able to listen to my body and what it is telling me in terms of how I'm feeling. So that is a huge, and that's something I'm still working on, um, of really just stopping and noticing when I feel something or when I feel a strong emotion in some way, whether it's a positive strong emotion or a negative strong emotion, um, really trying to pause and just see what is happening because that is very new for me. So then what are some of the things that you do to practice listening to your body? I really have to carve out intentional time Mm -hmm. uh, to listen to my body. I give my mind its um, place when I start out meditation. I, you know, I let the mind tell me, you know, what thoughts are coming up right now? um, What's happening in that realm of my inner world? Mm -hmm. And then I move the awareness to what's happening in my body. 
and I'll do the body scan like I just spoke about in the beginning where I will just move through each part of my body. Um, if I'm feeling sensations that are really calling out to me, like I have a lot of tension that's in my jaw or tense, tension in my neck or my back, I'll, I'll notice that mm-hmm. and um, just sit with it. So one of the other biggest things that I had to learn is to not immediately try to make sensations go away. And sometimes I notice that if I sit with it long enough, feelings appear. Mm. And when I feel tension in my jaw, that typically is depicting anger Mm. or it's depicting fear. Mm -hmm. Um, It's depicting me feeling very stressed. Sometimes it depicts me feeling powerless. Um, It depicts... uh, a wide range actually of emotions, but I will not be able to hear those emotions unless I sit with that sensation Mm -hmm. long enough to really Mm -hmm. give them a chance to appear. Mm -hmm. And that takes a lot of practice. It Mm -hmm. takes a lot of practice to be able to sit with discomfort. Mm -hmm. Um, I think as we all know, (laughs) no one ever wants to feel feel uncomfortable and to feel that. But so that's how um, I've been able to do that. And that's how I currently practice that is I just simply kind of pause and I just sit with what is happening. Sometimes emotions don't come up and that's okay. Mm -hmm. So I also give myself permission that there's no expected outcome Mm -hmm. of this practice when you are Mm -hmm. working with your body, that there's no expected outcome. There's no way that it needs to look. There's Mm -hmm. no way that somatic work or healing needs to be. Mm -hmm. Um, That I just, I'm open to what shows up and to explore what comes up. Yeah. So what are you doing? What, you know, what's your practice these days when you like notice, oh, is this real or is this my, you know, this my, my trauma response? Absolutely. And then like, what do you do for yourself in the moment? Because I mean, it's not like you can just all of a sudden. So if I'm in a situation, whatever context it is, and I feel that fear response and, and yeah. that fear response for me yeah. is in my stomach. So I can even tell where that is now so it's in my stomach my stomach contracts Mm -hmm. Um, I also feel my blood pressure rising I can feel the blood flowing in my body Mm -hmm. Um, I will end up feeling a tense jaw sometimes that leads into a headache Um, Mm -hmm. I will feel a tense neck and shoulder so I kind of I know when that fear response when I'm going into fight or flight Mm -hmm. when that's happening so when that is happening I notice it's happening so I give it I give it a name Mm -hmm. right away and acknowledge that it's happening. I'm like, okay, I am triggered right now. Mm-hmm. I am in fight or flight right now. And then I move into self-soothing. So mm-hmm. I try to soothe my nervous system. So when you are triggered, right, it's your nervous system activated. Um, you know, originally our nervous system was activated because we were encountering bears in the wild. But now we encounter anything and our body thinks we're seeing a bear. So in that situation, I breathe. Mm-hmm. So when I am in fight or flight, I tend to have rapid breathing and it's really in my shoulders. So my mm-hmm. shoulders kind of huff up and down. I'm almost hyperventilating. Mm-hmm. And so I will bring the breath down into my diaphragm, mm-hmm. into my belly, mm-hmm. which is a big part of uh, what I learned and teach in yoga. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I slow down my breathing, which often includes just extending my exhale. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'll let the breath leave out of my body much longer. I really try to calm down. I also remind myself that I'm safe and that I'm okay Mm -hmm. and just acknowledge. And then 
often times after that, because I've developed that relationship with my body, my body will actually tell me what I need. Mm. So sometimes that is going out in nature. Mm-hmm. And that mm. is one of the greatest soothers for me personally that I've found. Uh, nothing quite can soothe me um, the way that nature does when I'm out in nature. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes that will involve going out in nature. Sometimes it involves calling somebody for support mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. just talking it out. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it involves simply just feeling it, crying it out, just letting mm-hmm. that move through mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it turns into wanting to move my body and mm-hmm. I will exercise. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where that discernment also comes of what do I need right now? But I will say that that, that voice of what telling me what I need will not appear if my breathing is really rapid. And I have those like physiological symptoms appearing in that moment. Mm-hmm. So really, I'm just trying to calm my nervous system mm-hmm. right away and mm-hmm. just self-soothe. Mm-hmm. I mentioned in the conversation I had with Dan how our bodies are like books. Mm-hmm. So our bodies are books. They contain chapters. They contain subchapters and pages and you know different aspects of our story to this day and how there's just so much... There's so much liberation that we give ourselves when we acknowledge our story for what our story is and how it's constantly unfolding and how by connecting to our body, we actually open up more space to connect with others around us and the world around us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Got it. So you have a podcast called Discovering Your Soul and I know a lot of the work that you're doing is around you know the body work the yoga the somatic therapy all that what's the relationship with that how you've also discovered your soul like you know you already had a spiritual practice correct you want to Mm -hmm. talk a little bit about that and then like how you've integrated the two now so spirituality is like a huge part of my life and it really always has been even as a kid I would um, read really spiritual books that I would get from the library Um, I would get like a yoga DVD and a meditation DVD when I was a teenager and do that in the morning so spirituality for me really started with the yoga practice that I had and then you know going on to deepen my yoga practice when I was becoming a teacher. And I would say when I became a yoga teacher, that's when the spiritual practice for me really deepened. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I also was undergoing my own challenges um, in life with like mental health at the time. I really had bad anxiety mm-hmm. and still still have anxiety at times. And mm-hmm. a spiritual practice has really been a lifesaver for me at times. Uh, with yoga being really my entry into spirituality and then meditation being an entry into spirituality, um, kind of linking that to your question about discovering your soul and really kind of why I chose that um, as something that really called to me that I wanted to really represent, um, you know, my, my interest and what I would like to share with the world is what I had to discover over time is that I am already whole. Mm. And I think for the longest time, I always thought that I needed other people to feel whole. 
or I needed things and hobbies and um, accomplishments, accomplishments and yeah. achievements and yeah. all of that outside of me to feel mm-hmm. whole. Mm-hmm. It was almost like I was walking around fragmented um, when I was younger. Mm-hmm. And so spirituality really helped me discover my soul, which has been there all along and is whole and I am whole, but it really took for me to honestly develop many additional practices like self-love, self-compassion, self-forgiveness, acceptance, um, doing a lot of the trauma healing work that resulted in feeling fragmented and like I wasn't whole. Um, And the somatic work that I've had to do, realizing that my body is whole as it is. Because even my body felt just fragmented to me. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. My body felt fragmented to me. My being felt fragmented to me. And starting that spiritual practice made me realize that I am already whole. Mm -hmm. And to even go further with that, that I am a part of something bigger and that my wholeness is a part of a greater wholeness Mm -hmm. that is out there. Mm -hmm. And so all of these practices have really led to the discovery of my soul because it's always been there. It's like I am finally excavating and removing everything, all the dirt and all of the the, um, armor and the stories and the narratives and the false beliefs that are blocking me from understanding that my soul has been there all along and it has been whole this whole time has there been an experience that you can tell about where you know you experienced your soul as something other than something that you talk about yeah definitely and what comes to mind when i even hear this is how when i listen to my intuition my intuition really is the voice of my soul mm-hmm. and so and that took a lot of discernment because intuition can be mistaken or fear can be mistaken for intuition mm-hmm. and um our body you know can can mask intuition in it's oh so sneaky ways that it does that and so i would say after starting a lot of my somatic healing and a lot of the work that i've done recently i have really profound moments of intuition Mm -hmm. and creativity actually Mm -hmm. and joy and all these um, amazing whole and light um, experiences that are embodied within me that Mm -hmm. I really do feel are representing my soul's voice Mm -hmm. and telling me that I'm on the right path Mm -hmm. uh, and that I am aligned. Um, And so I would say that my intuition has truly been, I would think the 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 messenger of my soul that I I am able to connect to. Mm-hmm. So then, now that you you know have actively practiced, um, you know naming your feelings and sensations to what they are, as opposed to uh, sounds like from what you just said, like that sometimes you would you would um, feel fear and say, oh, that's my intuition. So then how is it that you're able to discern from, how is it that you know now, like, oh, that is my intuition and oh, that's my 
my monkey mind, my fear, my so yeah. What what is it for you that that um, creates that discernment? That is a great question. Um, so that also has taken a lot of time to learn how to discern. So so what I've noticed is when I feel fear, there's a sense of urgency. Like I need to make yeah. a decision right now, mm-hmm. like right now. Mm-hmm. And if I actually listen to my thoughts, they are very frantic. It's like someone just like mm-hmm. telling you like, we gotta do this now, we gotta do this now, we gotta do this, we gotta do this, insert whatever action verb here, we gotta mm-hmm. do this. It's a very frantic feeling, it feels very, um, it feels very charged. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of charged um, mm-hmm. emotions kind of running through my body when I feel fear. In addition to what I told you that I feel in my somatic body, the, the stomach clenching, the jaw, the neck, the head, the um, shoulders, the, the, you know, the sensations in the stomach, my, my blood pressure rising. So in addition to all of the physiological symptoms that I feel of fear, my mind even has its own default way of telling me that I feel fear because of just the sense of urgency that is there. So that's when I know that it's fear. So now when I hear my intuition, my intuition is actually very soft. Mm -hmm. It's very quiet. You really have to listen carefully. Um, You have to create space to listen to it. And the biggest thing that I've actually learned very recently, so I would say the last like few months, is my body feels very peaceful. It Mm -hmm. feels relaxed. Mm -hmm. It feels like I could be floating in a hot tub. That's how it feels. And there's no sense of urgency. Mm -hmm. There's no need to go take an action right now. Mm -hmm. It's really just an inner knowing. Mm -hmm. It's it's a, a quiet, beautiful, peaceful voice that is coming from my soul. That's that's what I'm hearing. Mm -hmm. That is telling me wisdom and knowledge that is helpful for me in any given situation. And there's no need to act on it right now. Mm -hmm. That it's there. Here's my message for you. This is what, you know, I have to tell you. And there's no, there's just no panic. There's no Mm -hmm. urgency with that. Right. So peacefulness, anxiety. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) And, you know, it can get really complicated for um, trauma survivors who sometimes mistake anxiety Mm -hmm. for excitement or mistake anxiety for, um, you know, joy. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's been something I've had to decouple myself is sometimes when I feel that excitement Mm -hmm. about something or I would say in my past relationships when I get very, very, very excited, um, I would actually be feeling anxiety inside. But I wouldn't, I didn't know. I didn't have the language or the naming practice that I could. So now when I feel true, pure excitement and joy, and I actually go within, Uh I can feel that excitement, but I don't feel that same clenching and contraction of my body. Right, it's It's still open. Right, yeah, it's open. It's open, it's light. There's a peacefulness Mm -hmm. even while feeling that joy and excitement. Oh, interesting. So, you know, I know you find a lot of solace in nature. What, What is that relationship for you? Like, how is it that you feel 
your connection and relationship is like when you're out in nature? Oh yeah, when I, as soon as I go out into nature, and this can look very different. This doesn't need to be a hiking trail. It can just be going on a walk. It can be sitting at a park. Um, it can be sitting by a river, going to the ocean, really any anywhere that, you know, I mean, anywhere that you are in nature. Um, I really feel like nature is a partner. Like we're co-creating mm-hmm. regulation for one another mm-hmm. in a way. I feel very soothed in nature. Like my nervous system is just the moment I step onto a trail, I feel like I can breathe sometimes. Like like when I'm when I'm in a state of activation with my nervous system, I I, I tend to hold my breath actually too. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I'm out on the trail, I'm just like, <sighs> just sigh. Mm-hmm. Just let it all out. And it's where I honestly feel connected. Mm-hmm. I think that is honestly nature is what has been the st- the stepping stone for me in relational healing, actually, because I f- feel connected with nature. I allow myself to be vulnerable in nature. I um, mm-hmm. when I'm out on the trails and I, you know, I'm struggling or I'm, I'm out of breath, you know, I, I'm not thinking about what I look like or, you know, like afraid of judgment. And I'm just like, okay, nature's just going to hold me. I'm going to be okay. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm just going to keep moving forward. And so I really feel like I am just a co-pilot with nature when I'm on, na- when I'm outside mm-hmm. and uh, it has been like one of the most fundamental aspects of my healing journey, I think. Even sometimes that involves just going to the ocean and just looking at the waves and just seeing how the waves come in and then they go back out mm-hmm. and they come back out and they go back in and and just noticing that impermanence mm-hmm. of nature too, how everything's dynamic, everything's changing and how nature is just authentically nature. Mm-hmm. And so I think that for me was really just helped, was really helpful for me in um, just allowing myself to just be and not and not to mention just the the other aspects of nature, like how it's a beautiful way to introduce quiet. Mm-hmm. You just hear, I mean, you do hear sounds of nature, but you're not really hearing highways. You're not hearing roads you're not hearing typing and computers and all the electromagnetic whatever that you know we're surrounded by in our everyday lives that you're just hearing birds you're hearing the wind you're hearing water and yeah and i feel like those are the a lot of times in nature it's when i really feel more space being created in my body Mm -hmm. and then the intuition emerges the voice of my soul emerges Mm -hmm. um you know the the aspects of my wholeness emerge mm-hmm. when that space is created. Mm-hmm. Mm, it's beautiful. Uh, so what does soul body mean to you? Soul body to me is all of, all of me, my physical body, my emotional body, my mental body, my mm-hmm. subtle energetic body. It's really all that is a part of my experience in this form Mm -hmm. that I'm in. Mm -hmm. And so for me, my soul body is that part of me that is deeply connected to what is around me and who is around me. Mm -hmm. And the greater uh, 
energy that is, or you know, whatever you may want to call the greater mm -hmm. energy or the greater power, higher power mm -hmm. around us, God mm -hmm. um, around us. My soul body is really that part of me that has a deep integration with what's around me. And so that to me is, is how I see and experience my soul body. Mm -hmm. It's the messenger between my physical form and what is outside of me. Mm. Nice. All right. That's a wrap. <laughs> thank you so much for having me on here. Yeah, it was such yeah. a pleasure. No, oh, thank you, Nita. My soul body is the messenger between my physical form and what's on the outside of me. Isn't that a great and beautiful way to frame this concept that we are exploring in this series called Soul Body? In the next episode, I delve into my conversation with Marjorie. Marjorie is a storyteller. But the stories she tells emerge from a body that has faced both emotional and physical trauma that derailed her from the linear path most of us think we travel. And it set her on one that feels, well, more like a circle. There's nothing graceful about the journey she has taken, but there may be some strange grace that allows her a greater sense of self in the world. And don't we all walk a little wounded as we face all that life holds? I hope you'll join us next time for Soul Forum. This episode of Soul Forum has been brought to you by Storycatcher for iPhone, a fun and simple tool that helps you create shareable keepsake video stories. Be the documentarian in your circles. Find Storycatcher, spelt as all one word, on the Apple App Store. You may attend Soul Forum Live each Sunday morning at Creekside Commons in Lafayette, California. The 30-minute presentation is also live-streamed via YouTube and Facebook, where people interact via the chat. After the live stream is complete, for those gathering in person, we then enter into a non-recorded group discussion on the day's topic. We'd love for you to join us for Soul Forum.